grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The second chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And the Lord said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. O Lord, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. A wonderful thing is happening today in the life of this congregation and in the life of these three men. You are not only joining the ranks of the clergy today, not just becoming ordained pastors, but in many ways, you today are joining a company of some very great men. In a sense, you walk because you will seek in a special way to do his work in the footsteps of Christ himself. You also join your feet into the path that has been walked by the prophets Ezekiel, Moses, Isaiah into the path walked by missionaries, Paul and Patrick, and Boniface and Livingston and Carey, into the ranks of the martyrs, Peter and Polycarp and John Huss, the ranks of the preachers, Chrysostom and Augustine 
and Bernard and Luther and Wesley. But most of all, today, you join the ranks of those thousands upon thousands of plain, ordinary pastors who, without fame and without recognition, have sought to do God's will where he sent them. Today, you join their number. And today, in a very calm and ordinary way, the same thing is happening to you that happened to each one of them. You are being ordained, set apart, for the special work of the Christian ministry. I'm sure that in your heart, you believe that it is not just the pastors here, but God himself who is ordaining you. And therefore, I ask you and you people of Emmanuel Lutheran Church to look at what happened and what God said when he ordained one of his other prophets into the ministry. Ezekiel, although there may seem to be very few comparisons between your ordination and Ezekiel's, there is still, I believe, a great deal that both you three men and my good friends and you, the Christian congregation that has sent them, can learn from God from this text. I wonder if anybody ever received a more discouraging call than Ezekiel. You know the words, I send thee to the nation of Israel, to a rebellious house that have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. They are impudent children and stiff-hearted and most rebellious. How would you feel if your calls from Clifton, Illinois, and Warren, and Vickery, Ohio had been prefaced with that kind of a statement about your people? It isn't that we pastors want a soft touch. We're not looking for an easy life. We know the ministry is not to be that. Sometimes danger and adventure, that even appeals to us and draws us. But the promise of pure hard-heartedness, that would be most discouraging. And the Lord wasn't just making it sound hard for Ezekiel so that he would work hard. The Lord wasn't just giving Ezekiel a good psychological treatment here at his entry into the ministry. Ezekiel's ministry proved that every word the Lord spoke was true. Ezekiel worked for 22 years among the house of Israel, from early morning till late at night in the temple, in the streets, at home, sometimes speaking to them, sometimes reproving them with no words whatsoever. And his whole ministry, if measured by modern standards of statistics and conversions and baptisms and accessions and money raised, would have been labeled a miserable failure from start to finish. And yet it was the right place for Ezekiel. When the Lord ordained him as one of his prophets, the Lord sent him to the right place. It was where God wanted him, where a strong man of God could be used, a man who didn't depend every day for his impetus to do God's work on a pat on the back, and an encouraging gift from somebody who appreciated what he was doing. The results show, too, that it was the right place. God's word was declared to those people, even though it meant judgment. And so God sent Ezekiel to the right place. Isn't it a wonderful boost? People of Emmanuel and John and Jack and Dick, 
to your own faith in God, to see how often God, in one way or another, gets just the right man to the right place at the right time. You could name a number of them in the history of the church. I think you've learned a little of that in the past three years. How did God get Paul to Macedonia? How did he get William Carey to India? How did he get the very men who brought you the gospel, who brought Jesus Christ to you, and somehow helped God to get him into your lives so that you dedicated yourselves to him? How did he get them to just the right place at the right time? The men who nurtured you and the women here in Sunday school, they don't have to be pastors to be called by God. How did they get right there at the right time to produce this result today? It's so common a thing. Many of God's people doing good work for God right where they are that we often forget it. And we complain about those pastors or those people who don't do what God gives them to do. But isn't this really what the divinity of the call means? That God gets his people to where he wants them to where they can do his work. And as you step into the ministry today and are ordained by God, that confidence can fill your hearts that of all the places in this world that you might have chosen or where he might have sent you, he wants you, John Kerr, among his people in Clifton, Illinois. He wants you, Jack Maxim, among his people nowhere else right now but in Warren, Illinois. He wants you, Dick Williams, not anywhere or everywhere, but he has a place for you prepared and ready where you can serve him in Victory, Ohio. There is God, and there are God's people, and God has been making things ready, not only those who are already his, but those in those very places who haven't yet heard his word. He has been preparing them for the ministry that you are personally and specifically tailored and prepared by God to give. And with that confidence you can go, in the confidence of the psalmist who said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Today you have to believe it, but if you enter into your ministry leaning on God's arm and counting on his promise, the day will not be far off when you will not only have to believe it, but you will be able to see that it was so. That confidence, unshakable, can be yours by looking at this word of God to Ezekiel when the Lord ordained that prophet. And it's true when he ordains you. But Ezekiel had no sooner been told where to go than the Lord also made sure that Ezekiel would know what to say. He left Ezekiel in no doubt about what his message was to be. I send you to them and you shall say to them, Thus saith the Lord God. You shall speak my words unto them, all my words that I speak unto you. Receive in your heart and hear with your ears, and go, say to them, Thus saith the Lord God. And then God gave Ezekiel a scroll and made Ezekiel eat it. And Ezekiel, when he ate it, said that it was as sweet as honey in his mouth. 
Not everyone who is in the ministry of God's church knows clearly and sounds forth clearly the word that God means his people to hear. The Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren tells about a church member who once came to him and said, I heard sermons in my, ho in my home church every Sunday of my life, and yet in spite of that, thank God, I am still a Christian. There are too many. As long as there is even one in the ministry of God's church, there is then one too many. If any of God's prophets sound forth the essential good news from God with an unclear sound, and as you stand today on the threshold of your ministry, I think you are grateful in your heart that you've been nurtured in a church and prepared for the ministry in a church where you have been taught that you are not to give people what happens to be in your mind on every Sunday morning or during the week, but that you are called to break for them a message from God himself. And you will not at every point when you open your mouth in the ministry be able to say, Thus saith the Lord, because a pastor as he deals with his people often gropes and hunts as he seeks to meet their needs. But when you proclaim God's word, especially from the pulpit of God's church, then as you have been taught, you will be able to say, and you will only be authorized to speak for God when you know you can say, Thus says the Lord God. Think, you three and Christian people, for a moment about what it means to be a pastor. To stand Sunday after Sunday, just to talk about one part of it, in a pulpit. Every week to have before you scores or hundreds of people, each one of whom expects you to bring to him on that morning a word from God that will help to meet the needs of his own heart at that moment. There will be the young and the old, the happy and the sad, the forsaken, the lonely, the sinful, the repentant, the indifferent, the perplexed. Every Sunday you will be called upon to speak helpful words from God to people who are as different as day is from night, and many of whom will look up to you and expect you to say, there is God. Go that way. Here is God's word for you today. Anybody who going up the steps of the pulpit does not feel small and afraid is audacious beyond all description. That's why Spencer called the pulpit that awful place. And any, anybody who covets such a calling for himself or enters into it thinking that he is worthy, that he is God's gift to the world for this moment, for whom everybody has been waiting, has pride beyond belief. Any normal man with the Apostle Paul would say, who is sufficient for these things? But there are the people, and they are waiting to be fed, and you are to bring them the food. In such a situation, it must be the most hopeless and frustrating thing imaginable to have only arguments, various points of views, 
my particular ideas for that week to have to lay before God's people. If that were your calling, to bring forth from the depths of your own soul every day, every Sunday, something to give to the people, then the most suitable text on your ordination Sunday would be, God have mercy on you. But that's not your future, and it's not mine. And that's why you and I, in spite of what we are, and in spite of our shortcomings, and often our lack of faith and obedience, why we have the audacity to enter into the pulpit of God's church, because there is still within his book the message that he puts on our lips. You have been living in it. You have been eating the scroll. At many points you have found it too, to be sweet as honey. Although often as God prepares you for it, it also has bitterness to it, and it bites and it burns when it gets at some part in our lives that deserves to be bitten and burned out. But the word is there, and it's much more than Ezekiel saw. Often Christian people call preaching powerful preaching when it denounces their sins or when it rakes them over the coals. Occasionally someone will even say, that's real gospel preaching. Well, it isn't. The gospel is God's good news that you and I need. The good news to which a woman pointed one day to Alfred Lord Tennyson when he was visiting her. And he said to her, do you know any news? And she says, there's only one piece of news that I know. Christ died for all men. And Tennyson replied, that is old news and good news and new news. And it is for you and for me. That's what we find in the New Testament. The apostles and the men and women who were with Christ running out from a great battle fought to a finish at Calvary, running out into the world, over the hills and over the mountains and wherever they went, there was on their lips this message. We have good news, good tidings, good tidings from a battle fought to a finish on Calvary. News that you are forgiven. News that your enemy has been defeated. News of God's grace and comfort and hope and presence in your lives. News that's just exactly tailored for you. Is that still news for you? After three or four years in seminary of turning it over and looking it over, going at it from every angle until it becomes well known to you, is it still news? Is it still news, Dr. Schillinger, after 61 years in God's ministry? Still news? Is it news for you Christian people? You've heard it often. Is it still news for you that makes your heart leap up, that puts joy in your soul, that gives you a reason for living and a hope in dying? Thank God there have been days when men and women could hardly keep their voices steady when they spoke Christ's name and talked about that good news. That's your good news. 
That's what you're called to proclaim. That's the news that God brings into men's lives to make them over, to make people his children. That's the news that God equips you with as your message today when he ordains you into his ministry. St. Bernard, the great preacher of the medieval age, said that when he preached his own ideas, people invariably praised him. But when he preached that good news, then sinners came up to thank him. So to preach, not that people will praise you, but so that sinners will find the good news and thank God. That's your calling. And a man doesn't learn that in four years of seminary. He doesn't learn it in ten years of the ministry. There's no quick overnight course in which you can learn it. You will be eating that scroll for yourself of God's gospel every day as long as you live, every week, as you seek to break the good news to God's people. And when you do that, people will hear it as you have heard it. And you will know you do not have the option of believing it or not believing it because you will hear your almighty Maker and Lord speaking it to you, and it will fill your heart. And you will say, thank God that he brought into my life the good news. But to proclaim it, you not only have to be in the right place where God sends you and know the right message, it takes a little bit more than that. It needs the right kind of a spirit. People have a strange notion sometimes, even today sometimes, about the ministry. As if the shy, the shy quiet, unsociable, backward boy who likes books above all else and has never been in a speck of trouble in his life is the best candidate for the ministry. If that were true, I doubt whether John or Jack or Dick would be being ordained today. But people still get that idea, don't they? But let some robust, live, courageous, gregarious, intelligent boy come along who's in his share of trouble, but who has a good mind and lots of ability and who gives promise of being able to, to lay up plenty of this world's treasure. And very few people will tell him, Son, do you think maybe God is calling you into the ministry? as if the ministry is a refuge for the maladjusted, a quiet, sheltered life for cowards, a refuge for those who can't succeed anywhere else. Well, you know better than that. And Ezekiel surely knew better than that. Because God said to Ezekiel, your task is difficult and it takes a good man. And like Jeremiah and Moses, I'm sure Ezekiel protested and said, Lord, I'm not a good enough man for that work. And then the Lord, when he ordained Ezekiel into that calling, gave to Ezekiel the right spirit. And he said, do not be afraid of them. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you live with scorpions, don't be afraid of their words or their looks. Whether they hear or don't hear, just remember, whether they hear or don't hear, yet they will know that there has been a prophet among them. Now our calling isn't like Ezekiel's. 
You don't go to a rebellious house of whom God says that. You go to a Christian congregation. Sure, there are hard-hearted people around. But the spirit that God gives you and me upon our entry into the ministry, or you, his servant, in the work that he calls you to do, wherever you are, is not, first of all, the spirit of a hard head. It's the spirit of a soft, great heart. And that spirit, tailored to your ministry, God also offers to you. The Holy Spirit. You won't be called upon like Ezekiel to lie on your left side for 390 days as a rebuke to the people. Read Ezekiel, the third chapter again sometime and see what he was called to do. Or to lie on your right side for 40 days. Or to stand against a nation, every one of whom was against you. But you'll be called upon to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice to bear with the weak, to reprove the hard-hearted, to forgive the sinner even before he wants to be forgiven, to be patient with the struggling, to help the blind to see, to help the fearful to trust, the lazy to serve, the selfish to give, to be so sensitive to God and to his people that you know when love will prompt you to be firm and unyielding, when love will prompt you to speak and when love will seal your lips in silence, you will be called upon to the kind of life and the spirit that will be able to discern when love makes you denounce evil and when love causes you to go the tenth mile and to turn the other cheek. Where will you get that spirit? Where do you get the spirit so that in your ministry whether they hear or refuse to hear, yet they will know that there has been a prophet among them. Same place Ezekiel got it. Same place everybody has to get it. So take hold of the promise. Again, you'll need it over and over again, every day, every week in your ministry, like Pastor Hollinson does and every other man who seeks to do God's work. Take hold of the promise that it's there. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And people of Emmanuel, don't let these three men go out from your midst into the ministry and then forget them. You have a role in their ministry almost as important as theirs. How about the other seven from Emmanuel who went into the ministry? Are they being supported day by day and week by week with the prayers of Emmanuel? They didn't go into the ministry for themselves, you know. They went in for God and for you. Do you pray for them in Sunday school? Do you pray for them in church? Do you pray for them in the privacy of your own homes, in your church organizations? Do you support them by asking God, Lord, we don't know anything about their difficulties, but we know to be a prophet of God takes your spirit. Lord, whatever their needs this week, give them the measure of the spirit they need to fulfill it. It's your ministry that they are seeking to fulfill. Do not renege on your part in it. 
by forgetting how you support their hands and how you can help God's Spirit come into them. Today the Lord is ordaining you as his prophets. Can you take from Ezekiel this encouragement? He's sending you to the right place where he wants you to speak his message and where he promises to give you every bit of his spirit that's needed to do what he gives you to do. Go then and feed the flock of God. Go and preach the gospel to every creature, remembering the promise, Behold, I am with thee. I will keep thee in all places, whithersoever thou goest. Amen.